Welcome to Wisdom's Echo, Origin Gate's daily podcast. If you love Wisdom's Echo and want to invest in the lives of our speakers, head to patreon.com slash wisdoms echo, where for as little as $2 a month, you can help us deliver the same impactful content you enjoy. Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, my name is Parker Thomaston. As always, it's such an honor and privilege to have this opportunity to share my heart with you. Uh, today we're going to talk about a big topic, uh, and we're going to talk about the rest. And um, <laughs> this is a big deal to me. I feel like I have not been able to shake this uh, topic. I have have tried and tried and tried, and I think because I am receiving a greater understanding of what rest is and how it looks, um, I, I just have to share it with you because uh, I feel like I, I thought I had this under control. I thought I knew what rest looked like. I thought I knew what peace looked like, um, but it is a, a constant progression from a greater measure of rest and peace into a greater measure of rest and peace, and, and I think that that's a secondary consequence of us transitioning from glory to glory. And so before we start, I want to let you know that um, <laughs> that this uh, podcast is is not sponsored, but it's coming to you on a full belly of crawfish. Uh, for those of you who live on the Gulf Coast, I hope that you can appreciate that. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you need to make your way on down to uh, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, um, even Texas and, and Florida have them, I think. Uh, in the United States, but we take these little seafood delicacies, uh, put them in a big pot. We uh, we boil them with spices and vegetables, Koneka sausage, corn, potatoes, uh, mushrooms. I know I'm probably making you hungry. Um, that's a little bit of uh, Apostle Aaron coming out in me. Um, we just, <laughs> we love to celebrate and have a good time. Usually uh, you either eat crawfish because um, you're in a time of celebration or you're in a time of relaxation. And uh, my family and I enjoyed some tonight because we are both in a position of of equal measures of uh, relaxation and celebration. We've had an incredible week. Um, and, and we were sitting out by the pool yesterday uh, at this nice resort. Uh, the kids were on spring break and uh, we were just letting them run around this fountain uh, that was lit up and they had music going and everybody was just having the time of our lives, you know, we're living our best life. And, uh, and, and I don't take that lightly because I understand how much of a blessing it is for us to be able to, to live that life. You know, we are, are truly living a life greater than anything that I could have imagined was possible. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm, I'm saying that to encourage you, um, that sometimes you can take things so seriously, uh, that we allow our focus and our heart and our minds to be consumed by things that need to be done, things, uh, uh, that that need to be taken care of, and it's not that we're becoming irresponsible. It's that we just you know take care of what needs to be taken care of, and and allow ourselves to enjoy the rest. I mean, it's a pretty simple thing, uh, but it is an extremely valuable. Uh, lifestyle, and so we're very grateful for that. Um, but let's go ahead. You know, I've I've talked about rest before. 
And we're going to go ahead and jump in to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit of this passage of Scripture, and then I just want to share with you uh, a little excerpt of a book that I've been reading that is radically transforming my life. Um, and it is basically just helping me be re-identified as to who Yahweh has created me to be and how He sees me. And I'm realizing the more that I seek Him, uh, the greater measure uh, of who He is and His love for me that I'm discovering. And uh, and that is an incredible honor and opportunity within itself. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says this, On the same day when evening had come, He said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. This is Yeshua speaking to the disciples. So when they had left the multitude, they took Him along in the boat as He was, and other little boats were also with Him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I just want to stop here for a moment because I feel like for a majority of my life, the communication that I have had with Yahweh was always the fact that I was reminding him that I was about to perish. It was that the boat was filling up with water, and and the Savior is present, but it, it feels like nothing is being done to help me out. And and I'm not trying to just maybe I'm being too real with you. Maybe I maybe I'm too transparent sometimes. But I just want to say this to those of you who may feel like you're in a position right now where you may you may be tired, you may be weary, you may feel like you're not going to make it. My goodness, I've been there. And in those moments, I feel like I have reached out to Yahweh and, and asked Him to hear my cry and, and, and just said basically like, do you not know that I'm about to die here? Like, can you please give a brother a little help? You know, uh, calm the storm down, right? But but this is the crazy thing is as they were doing this, like it's okay to, to go through times of your life that are this way. But man, when you know how good the Father is and you're confident that He loves you enough that He will not allow you uh, to be destroyed in the midst of this seemingly chaotic moment, then then you are gonna you're gonna see yourself through this, and you're also gonna gonna come out of the other side with a greater degree of trust in your relationship and a greater degree of confidence, not only of who Yahweh is, but who you are. And so they ask him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And, and it says this in verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? So in other records of this story, it says that Yeshua first rebuked the disciples and then he rebuked the storm. And, and so in the midst of, of chaos in my mind, we, we have to remember that when we're engaging face-to-face with Yahweh, it is impossible for us to entertain anything of lesser value. The same thing that I believe happened in this story happened to Peter when Yeshua called him out onto the sea. 
Now, now, have you ever questioned why Yeshua wasn't awake during the storm or, or thought about what might have happened if they had chosen to allow him to sleep? The, the disciples here, rather than being positioned in rest, they chose to engage in illusion of everything coming to an end. And, and Yeshua, positioned in rest, was able to express the power of who he is. First, I love that he woke up, and it, I know it says that he rebuked the disciples first. That was because they were engaging the storm rather than engaging him. And so that is a, a word in and of itself to many of us. What are you engaging? Who are you engaging right now? Is it the storm or is it the solution? Because I guarantee you that you're probably in proximity to the answer to all of your problems. We just have to allow ourselves to not be up entertaining the the water that may be coming in the boat and allow ourselves to be down in the in the stern perfectly at rest. Now, I thought I knew what rest looked like until I engage rest. And I thought I knew what peace looked like until I engage peace. And I feel like that that is something that will continue for each and every one of us is that the more we engage in rest, the more that we engage in peace, we're going to find out that that Yahweh is truly for us and, and that it's not really as bad as we thought it was, to be honest. And so uh, I have heard years ago, um, there was a statement, fathers seated in peace produce sons at rest. And, and I honestly believe that as you and I are faithful to engage our seats, that we are, are going to truly be able to experience the fullness of Yahweh in a greater measure than anything that we've encountered thus far. There is is something about rest where we allow ourselves to cease any type of work or movement um, in order to relax and be refreshed, that we could recover our strength to, to be placed or supported so as to stay in a specified position. This is where Yahweh has called for you and I to abide. This this word, I'm, I'm telling you, this is we could get into some things. I, I've taught a, more on rest before, and I know that many people have, but but what I'm finding in myself is I can allow myself to be at rest physically, but my mind and my heart is a completely different animal. Um, I don't know if I'm the only one wired that way, but sometimes uh, some of the most troublesome times for me have been those moments where I've tried to shut everything down and kind of pull it all together. And, and what I'm finding now is that inner turmoil is what needed to be dealt with all along. And the problem for me was I felt like I had to continuously prove my worth to Yahweh in order for Him to be pleased with me. And, and I'm discovering that I am beloved all this time. This is is something, you know, that is absolutely fascinating to me. And I, I want to jump into something and just share this with you um, about how amazing uh, this is to me because, because rest is something that, um, you know, I'm just finding to be more defined. Uh, and, and hopefully this will help you as much as it's helped me. So I'm just going to read this to you. Please just open your heart in this moment. Um, these are not my words, but it's something that is just coming alive in me. The ordinary self is the extraordinary self. 
the inconspicuous body who shivers in the cold of winter and sweats in the heat of summer, the one who wakes up unreconciled to the new day, who sits before a stack of pancakes, we weave through traffic, bang around in the basement, shops at the supermarket, pulls weeds and rakes up leaves, makes love and snowballs, flies kites, and listens to the sound of rain on the roof, while the imposter continues to draw his identity from past achievements and the adulation of others. The true self claims identity and its belovedness. We encounter God in the ordinariness of life, not in the search for spiritual highs and extraordinary experiences, but in the simple presence of life. My only desire, whoo, man, this is awesome. My only desire, this is the, the part here that rocks me, is that you make these words reverberate into every corner of your being, and that is you are the beloved. Anchored in this reality, our true self needs neither a muted trumpet to herald our arrival nor a gaudy soapbox to rivet attention from others. We give glory to Yahweh simply by being ourselves. Yahweh has created us for union with Himself. This is the original purpose of our lives, and God is defined as love in 1 John 4.16. Living in the awareness of our belovedness is the axis around which the Christian life revolves. Being the beloved is our identity, the core of our existence. It is not merely a lofty thought or an inspiring idea or any name among many. It is the name by which God knows us and the way He relates to us. As he said, if anyone has ears, let him hear. Let him listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To those who prove victorious, I will give you the hidden manna and a white stone, a stone with a new name written on it, known only to the man who receives it in Revelation 2.17. If I must seek an identity outside of myself, then the accumulation of wealth, power, and honor allures me. Or I may find the center of my gravity in interpersonal relationships. Ironically, the church itself can stroke the imposter by conferring and withholding honors, offering pride of place based on performance, and creating the illusion of status by rank and pecking order. When belonging to an elite group eclipses the love of God, when I draw life and meaning from any source other than my belovedness, that's when I'm spiritually dead. When God gets regulated, relegated, excuse me, to second place behind any bauble or trinket, I have swapped the pearl of great price for painted fragments of glass. Who am I? I am one loved by Christ. This is the foundation of the true self, the indispensable condition for developing and maintaining the awareness of our belovedness is time alone with God. In solitude, we tune out the naysaying whispers of our worthlessness and sink down into the mystery of our true self. Our longing to know who we really are, which is the source of all of our discontent, will never be satisfied until we confront and accept our own solitude. There we discover that the truth of our belovedness is really true. Our identity rests in Yahweh's relentless tenderness for us revealed in Yeshua the Christ. Family, that is absolutely strong. And I don't know if it hits you 
the way that it does me, but whenever you and I are truly able to walk in the fullness of the confidence that we have been given to just be who we were created to be, you realize that you can take off the mask, you don't have to put on a show, and and Yahweh can truly express Himself through you and I. So I hope that this is a blessing to you. I hope it's an encouragement to you. Um, As always, we are so grateful that you uh, will continue to engage with us, and uh, we look forward to the next time we can do this together. Thanks, family.